0: There are times in my life, and I'm sure there's times in your life, when you have faced obstacles on the way to a destination that God wants you to obtain, maybe a person God wants you to be, whether it be a, a job, a career, a family, as it relates to your, your, your children, to your health, whatever it is, you have a dream, a destination, a focal point that has been stirring inside you. Maybe it could be to start your own own business. Maybe it's to to write a book. Maybe it's just becoming a better father or better mother. Students, maybe it's to become a better student or better athlete or even just simply a better friend. Whatever that looks like for you, God has placed that inside you, that dream. And he wants you to start living that dream. But just like dreams, many dreams have obstacles in our life. And as those obstacles come about, it could be a little frustrating as we're on our way to the dream, and, and almost we get to the point to where we sort of blame God a little bit. Well, God, I know you've called, you've called us to do this, and we're having all of these obstacles. Um, and, and so as we go towards living the dream, understand this. Those obstacles are actually part of living out the dream, because some of the obstacles that we're finding about Joseph and what he faced, he had to face some of those in order to get to the next level, to get to the next phase on towards fulfilling the dream God has given to him. And so with these obstacles that we're talking about, and we talked about with Joseph, the obstacle of a rejection, being rejected by his, by his brothers, okay, it's a big obstacle. Some of you have been rejected. The obstacle of temptation. Some of you have maybe been caught up in temptations in your life and it's held you back from, from your dreams. I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've counseled with and talked to and prayed with who uh, they, they had this idea, this dream in their life and, and some sort of temptation has kept them away from that. Whether it be drugs or, or alcohol or having a child out of wedlock or whatever it is, they have, they have had these things that have come alongside them, these temptations and if it stopped or halted them in their dreams. Well, I want to let you know that just because those things have happened doesn't mean that God is removing that from you. God wants you to continue walking towards that. That is an obstacle. And so, but Joseph, he actually, he actually defeated that obstacle with Potiphar's wife. And even though he, he won over the battle of temptation, he was falsely accused. Gosh, sometimes we're accused of things. You ever been accused of, of, of telling somebody something when you didn't? Or been accused of, of thinking about something? I mean, how, how does someone get into your head and can read your thoughts? I mean, sometimes you have to ask that question. Or been accused of whatever it is, and you know it's not true. You and God know it's not true. Well, as long as God knows, that's the most important thing. And Joseph did not allow some of these, these obstacles of rejection of temptation, of accusation to get the best of him because what he did and something we've learned is he invited the Lord. He had the Lord draw near to him. The Lord was near to him. And and that is a two-way street. Okay, the Lord never he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. But let me tell you something. If you're pushing the Lord aside and blaming him for things in your life, for obstacles that happen in your life, then the Lord, the Lord is not near to you if you continue to push him away. Now, he's there anytime time you call, okay? He's there anytime time you call to say, God, I need you. He's there in a split second. But these obstacles that keep happening. Another obstacle Joshua faced was the obstacle of impatience. Well, this is a big one. We get impatient. God, why don't you do this? You, you want me to raise a family? We don't have any children yet. You want me to get married and and start a family but I haven't met Mr. Ryder or Mrs. Ryder? You want me to to have a better job, but it's just not happening right now. In fact, I'm being pushed aside. I'm not even being considered for certain things. Lord, you want me to be a better athlete, but the coach is not even starting me in the starting lineup. In fact, I'm sitting on the bench most of the game, and he puts me in only because he has to. And so... It's easy for the obstacle of impatience to grow weary on you, and then it, it leads to something else. That impatience, if we don't treat that right, that impatience can lead to bondage where we're trapped, and almost, really to the point to where we're apathetic. And let me tell you, as I, as I shared last week, when you are apathetic, when apathy has set in to your life, where you just, you just don't care, okay, well, whatever, Whatever, I give up. When apathy sets in, you know you're in bondage. You know you're you're trapped in your own prison. And so that's where Joseph was. Joseph was trapped in his own bondage there. He was trapped in prison and he was waiting. And so but what we see next in Joseph's life is gonna be something that I think is going to speak to each and every one of us because this is an obstacle that all of us have faced and we will face time and time again. So when we got, when we left off Joseph, Joseph, he interpreted a dream of Pharaoh and he told Pharaoh, Pharaoh, here's what this dream means. And so he told Pharaoh, look, we're gonna have seven years of abundance Amazing. I mean, more crops, more everything. And then we're going to have seven years of famine. So Joseph, so Pharaoh, what I, what I want, what I suggest is that we go ahead and store up for seven years. We hold back and then we prepare for the famine because it's going to happen. And, and Joseph, he, I loved how, what he did. He walked in that humility, and that authority, we talked a little bit about that last week. When God is willing to, when God is ready to, to set you free from your, your bondage, your waiting, okay? When you have that job interview, when that, when that boss is like, okay, I want to interview you for this job. I think you'll be a great person for this. And he hands it to you, he hands you the keys. Walk in humility, yet walk in also authority. Thank you, boss, for giving this to me. I, I'm going to let you know, I give all glory and honor to God. But I also want to let you know, here are some things I think we can make the company better. Just using it as an example. Students might use that as a coach. When a coach puts you on the team, puts you in a starting lineup, okay? Walk our play in that humility, but also in that authority as well. Parents, we need to do this. We need to walk in humility with our kids, but we also need to walk in authority. There needs to be a balance between, and that's what Joseph did. He said, I give all glory and honor to God. The dream, the interpretation of the dream does not come from me. The interpretation of the dream comes from God, the one true and only living God. And by the way, here's what we need to do. So as he shared the plan, Pharaoh said, there's no one else in Egypt who's this smart. Let's get this guy up here. So we put him in second in command. And so Joseph is now second in command and he's making all these decisions. And so uh, In the meantime, between where we left off last week and where we're picking off now, Joseph got married. He has two sons. He is living the life. The the obstacles in his life that he had to face are behind him. His toughest obstacles are behind him. Life is good. And so the famine came. And the famine is here, and he is, he is distributing all of the food as planned, and he's doing an amazing job. We see this in Genesis chapter 41, verse 56 through 57. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt, and all The world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So at the age of about 38 years old, Joseph was in a position where he had a family, he was second in command, and all was well. People were coming to Joseph all over the world, except There was a issue that Joseph was facing. There was yet another obstacle that Joseph had in his life. There was something standing in the way of really of living the dream to its fullest. Now, you may be saying, well, well, Frank, he's arrived at his dream. He's, He's living the dream. Because Frank, as I remember, the dream was that, that people will be bowing down to him and and he's he's living the dream. Yeah, he might be living the dream, but there's something else that's standing in the way. There's something that's missing. And it would take someone from his past to show him what that obstacle is. So let's Let's read about that in Genesis chapter 42, verse 1 and 2. It says, when when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt. Now, let me stop there. So, Jacob, he's a character we haven't haven't talked about, except for a few weeks ago. Jacob is is the father of of Joseph. Now, Jacob, eventually God changed his name to Israel. And so, that's where you get the the Israel nation. He had 12 sons, and he had the 12 tribes of Israel. But well, Jacob was the son, was the father of, of all of these sons. And so Jacob, as we see here, learned that there was grain in Egypt. And he said to his sons, his 11 sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? I love that. We've told our kids that. Why do you keep looking at each other? Just, why do you keep just sitting around? Just do something. He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not Die. So, it was. It was about twenty years had passed since uh, we we've heard of Jacob, even heard of his uh, of his sons and, uh, and, and and Joseph's brothers. So the the brothers um, went down to Egypt, but there's something that Jacob and his sons don't know that we know, and that is Joseph is in Egypt. So let's pick it up in verse 6 of chapter 42. And now Joseph was a governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him. There's the dream, the fulfillment. They bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and get this, spoke harshly to them. There's an indication right there of his obstacle. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him because he would speak through an interpreter. It was, it's a different language. It's a different culture. He had learned the Egyptian language, and, but he also spoke Hebrew. But he spoke through an interpreter to disguise. Verse 9, Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. So here he is again, talking harshly, accusing them of something. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. Verse 10, No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No... He said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and the one is no more. I tell you what, when the brothers said this about Joseph and the one is no more, he's no more. They didn't kill him. They just sold him into slavery. The one is no more. Can you imagine the sting and the the, the thoughts of rejection that, that started coming back from his brothers? The rejection that came and kept coming just by that simple few words. And he is no more. So here we have Joseph, standing, uh, sitting there on his throne, and his brothers are there. And they're, they're requesting for food, and Joseph is speaking to them harshly. So what, what happened is, Joseph continued to accuse them of being spies and to speak harshly to them. He placed one brother in prison and sent the rest back home with some grain. He told them to come back, to, to not to come back, Without his younger brother Benjamin So the youngest brother Benjamin Which was from the same mother You read that, that story of Jacob the the, uh, the the wife that Jacob really, really loved He had a couple of wives Was the, was the mom of Joseph and Benjamin And that's why Benjamin stayed at home Because he's like Look, I don't want to send Benjamin I don't want anything to happen to him Like it happened to Joseph And so the brothers brought the grain of their father. They're, they filled Jacob in on the story and the demands of the governor of Egypt, but Jacob refused to send his son Benjamin to Egypt. So after many months, Jacob and his family, remember this famine is going to last for seven years. So they, he, he told his, his, his sons, okay, look, we're starving again. We need more grain. And the brothers reminded Father, we, we've got to bring Benjamin. We cannot get more grain until we bring Benjamin. So they brought Benjamin to Egypt. And then when they came to Egypt, as, a, as you can read this in, the, in this passage, they came to Egypt and they were invited to Joseph's house for lunch. So that's a nice gesture, right? They were invited to Joseph's house for lunch. Benjamin and the other ten brothers. So, but while they were sitting down eating lunch, Joseph took his personal silver cup that he used to drink wine. He took his personal silver cup and hid it in in the luggage, in the sack of Benjamin. And so, he did this to set them up for stealing. So here you have a guy who's, who's talking to them harshly. He's talking to his brothers harshly. He's not giving his identity. He is accusing them of being spies, and he's setting them up as thieves. Is this the same Joseph? It's like, where would the real Joseph please stand up? So after the brothers left the city on their way back to Canaan, Joseph sent men after the brothers to accuse them of stealing. The brothers denied and even said this, if any of us is found to have the silver cup that you say we have, he will die and the rest of us will become slaves. So they looked in all the luggage, all the sacks, and of course they find the silver cup in Benjamin's sack. Oh, man. I mean, this is a bad, I mean, this is a bad scene. I mean, the family is about to be torn apart. I mean, they're, they're just like, okay, we, what do we do? So they've been brought back to, to Egypt, facing Joseph again. What is Joseph going to do next? He, he is he's showing some signs of some serious Issues Now, you may be saying this, well, Frank, you can't blame Joseph. I mean, if I had my brothers, if my brothers sold me into slavery, I'd probably do the same thing. Human nature, yes. But what it shows is this, Joseph was facing another obstacle in his life. And that obstacle is the obstacle of unforgiveness. He is having an issue with forgiving his brothers. It's obvious. Look at the signs. If you were accusing people, if you were accusing someone in your life of of stealing, of being someone that they're not, and speaking to them harshly, or just flat out ignoring them, there, there could be some issues there with that person. Maybe they've said something to you or done something to you. Or been part of a group that was conspiring against you. And maybe you're just like, well, I just want to talk with them. And you're holding on to some of that unforgiveness. Unforgiveness changed Joseph. The other obstacles, Joseph was able, he was able to win out. He he was exemplary in how he handled those other obstacles. But this obstacle changed Joseph. It changed him to a person full of revenge, deception, and lies. There was something about Joseph that he never dealt with. He never dealt with his unforgiveness. Sure, he didn't really have to have those signs earlier. He didn't really show those signs earlier. Why? Because his brothers never showed up. His brothers never showed up until now. And just remembering or just being reminded of what they've done, it brings back those feelings and it brings back the unforgiveness, something that he never dealt with. Has that ever happened to you? Someone has done something to you and you, you, you run across them? or. Or maybe someone talks about them to you, or or maybe maybe you see them out somewhere, or maybe see them at a family reunion, maybe it's a family member, or whatever. And you just get these feelings that's like, ugh, I I just hope that person just rots. You got some unforgiveness. We have some unforgiveness. We have some bitterness that is making our hearts hard. And that's what was happening to Joseph. Joseph, the man that we love, the man that we're like, man, Joseph, you, you're handling all of these obstacles incredibly. But he has changed. And let me tell you what, unforgiveness and bitterness will change you and I as well. It will change us. It will change us to the core if we don't deal with the unforgiveness. You know, as I said earlier, you may say, well, but Frank, what about the dream? What about the dream? Joseph Joseph is living his dream. His brothers are bowing down. People are coming to him. Yeah, he might be living his dream, but unforgiveness could turn a dream into a nightmare. Unforgiveness and bitterness could turn a dream into a nightmare. Sure, you may have that job promotion. Sure, you may have that family that you've been wanting, you know. Sure, you may have that, that, that position or, or maybe you started a company or, or sure, you might be living that dream that God has called you to, to live. But unforgiveness and bitterness can turn your dream into a nightmare. Some of you here today could be facing the obstacle of unforgiveness some of you here today have probably have have had that obstacle in your life already very good possibility some of you here today need to deal with your unforgiveness so what do we forgive how do we deal with this well first of all we you know obviously we need to we need to forgive others we need to forgive others we need to forgive what other people have done, what other people have said. And I know there's different levels. I get it. I get it. There's sort of different levels of what they have done. And the deeper the hurt, the harder it is to forgive. I get that. But there's got to be something that you can do to forgive them. If there's someone that when you hear their name or see their face you wish no good thing would ever happen to them again, (laughs) then you're carrying unforgiveness. Second person you need to forgive is you need to forgive yourself. Some of you, it's easier to forgive someone else, but it's more difficult to forgive yourself because because you're around yourself all the time. (laughs) And you look at yourself in the mirror all the time. And there could be things you have done in your past that is, that is still haunting you and is bringing you shame and bringing you guilt and bringing you regrets day after day. Maybe there's a reminder, maybe a song, maybe a conversation, maybe a person, whatever. Maybe a scene in your mind that you keep going back to and it's haunting you. Why? Because it was something that you did. It was a mistake you made. And it haunts you. You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself. So you need to forgive others, and you need to forgive yourself. You can forgive like Joseph. Let's look what happened to Joseph right here in chapter 45, verse 1 through 5. It says that Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. So Joseph is now, okay, I can't, I can't stand it any longer. He cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So he's telling all of his attendants, his, his servants, get out of here. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known. That's important. When he made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? So all of a sudden, he goes from speaking Egyptian through an interpreter, and now he's, he's speaking Hebrew. And they're going, what? What is this? How's your father? Who are you? What are you talking about? This guy's flipped his lid. So How? Is my father, is he still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Verse four, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. Verse five, and now, this is where it is. Here's a key. Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And he's 100% correct. Do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for doing what you did. Verse uh, 14 through 15, then he threw his arms around his brother, Benjamin, and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. So what does Joseph, what does Joseph show us about dealing with the obstacle of unforgiveness? Sure, he was living, he was living the dream, but let me tell you what. Because his brothers showed up and the way he was treating them and the way he did not deal with his unforgiveness, his unforgiveness was turning his dream into a nightmare and he could not deal with it. Some of you are living a nightmare, and you need to deal with this unforgiveness, this bitterness in your life. And even if you're not facing this now, there's going to be a time when you need to forgive others or forgive yourself. So what does Joseph show us? How does Joseph do this? First of all, we need to reveal our true identity. That's what Joseph did. He, he made himself Known. So, what do we do? We need to make ourselves known. Stop hiding behind some false persona or mask that everyone can see right through. Stop avoiding the person. And you know what I'm talking about. If there's some unforgiveness and bitterness in a person's life, you know, don't, don't have those just surface conversations and kind of nice but rude comments. You know what I'm saying? You may have seen others do this. You know there's friction between them, and you're like, hmm, I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna watch this. Pop some popcorn and watch, because this is gonna be good. We need, we need to make ourselves known. Which means this: we've got to let down the pride. We've got to let down our pride. We've got to make ourselves vulnerable. To the person who needs forgiveness from us. We've got to make ourselves known. We've got to make ourselves vulnerable. So make yourself known. Stop avoiding that person. Stop treating that person in some sort of fake smile and, you know, whatever you do. We've all done it. I'm preaching to myself. Second thing. So number one, reveal your identity, your true identity. That's what Joseph did. What, did. what did Joseph do next? Do not pass blame. Don't pass blame to others for causing you hurt. That's what Joseph did. He said, do not be distressed and do not be angry. It's not your fault. Yeah, you sold me into slavery. But, but here's the reason why you sold me into slavery. We now see the full picture. Let, let me remind you of something. Some, some of you have been hurt by others, and, and so you want to try to pass a blame onto them. Can I tell you something? This is very important. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Let me explain. People who've been hurt by others, what do they do? They hurt others. Because they carry this, and then they hurt others. Either by, I mean, maybe physically, emotionally, by what they say, how they were treated. Gosh, some of you here today could be someone caught in that cycle. Well, you've been hurt by somebody else, and you haven't given them the forgiveness they need, and you're holding on to bitterness, and so what do you do? You pass that hurt onto others in your life. Hurt people hurt people. So, when someone has hurt you, understand this, they're hurting you because someone hurt them. You don't know who it is, most likely. But, but don't blame that person. You can't blame that person. They have also been hurt. So, Reveal your true identity, and do not pass blame. So, let me ask you a question. Have your personal choices in your life caused guilt, regret, or shame from the choices you've made? Then it's time to forgive yourself. Unforgiveness is very powerful. It could change you. Have the actions of others cause obstacles of unforgiveness in your heart. It's time to forgive others. Let me remind you of something. I I was reading this this week. I was reminded of this. and and it's It's so powerful. When Jesus was with his disciples in the last evening before he was arrested and then ultimately crucified, when he was with his disciples, he shared a last supper with them and during that last Supper Jesus made a- an announcement for the lack of a better word. He said, one of, one of you guys one of you 12, some of my best, my best friends, one of you are going to betray me. one of you are go- you're going to reject me." You're going to betray me. And of course, we we find that it's Judas who, who betrays Jesus. But you know what's fascinating? Jesus already forgave Judas. You know how we can tell? Do you know what happened before they started sharing the meal together and before Jesus broke the bread and he said, this is my body and, and the cup and this is my blood. Do and remember to me that whole thing and we're about to, We're about to observe that here in just a few moments. But when when Jesus, before all that happened, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Now, everybody pay attention. I know there's people moving around, but listen to me. Look right here. Pay attention right here. This is important. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Including the feet of Judas before he announced his intentions. Jesus forgave Judas. And so, some of you here today, you need to forgive yourself and you need to forgive others. In, um, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 through 15, it says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, it's an important word, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Y'all, that is powerful. That is powerful. Here in just a moment, we're going to observe communion. And Jesus asks us to, re- to observe this communion. And as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. To remember the sacrifice that I, that I gave. I give you my life. The body that I that I gave for you. The blood that I shed for you. And so as we break the bread and as we drink the cup, we're going to remember. But let me, let me tell you something. Before you do this, you need to get right with God. You need to ask God, Lord, just forgive me, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of these. And, and, and name them. Name them what they are. Confess whatever those are. But more importantly, if there's someone you haven't forgiven, then you need to forgive them. In fact, if there's someone in your life, I'm going to give you a moment to do this. If there's someone in your life, think about who they are that you could be holding bitterness towards. I want you to maybe send them a text message if you still have their number. Send them a text message and just say, could we talk this week? I, 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 need, to, I need to share something with send them a text message. Even before you take of the cup and the bread. Or just decide in your heart, Lord, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. And some of the people who've wronged you may actually may not be here alive on this earth anymore. You can still forgive them. You forgive the actions that they've done to you. And then ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. So here in just a moment, we have we have a couple of stations. We've we've done this a few times at Lake Point Church. I love and we can remember the suffering that Jesus did. And, and we we're gonna be remembering that this week as we approach Good Friday and obviously the resurrection and celebrate that next next week. But today, we're just gonna remember. But don't let the obstacle of unforgiveness stop stop you, stand in the way, don't let it harden your heart. Don't let it harden your heart. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 28 through 29, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So in just a moment, I'm going to just say a quick prayer. We're going to stand. There's two tables over here at the front. And you just take the bread and you dip it. And just have a moment there, maybe with your family or by yourself. We're going to take our time. The band's going to sing. We will encourage you to sing along. And then go back to your seat. But let's honor the Lord. Let's ask him forgive us. More importantly, let's forgive others and forgive ourselves. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your suffering on the cross. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for, for your, your blood that has power. Thank you, Lord, for the power of forgiveness we can have and we can show to others. We ask you, Father, that you that you accept this time of remembrance as remember what you've done for us. Lord, help us forgive others. Forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's all stand together and let's partake. Let's remember together.